You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekha Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of The Retail Perch. We took a little break there and getting ready here for Thanksgiving week coming up. And hopefully by the time you hear this episode, uh, we'd be done with Thanksgiving. Gary, Thanksgiving already, 2021. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Isn't it? Zoom by this year. It seems like 2021 was a blur and 21 is no different. (laughs) So, but, you know, we've been kind of catching up on lining up the next few episodes and we have some amazing guests. And as you've known, 21, I think we had some fantastic conversations here, Gary. Yes, we did. Terrific conversations, great people, some really, really interesting themes. Yeah. So if you guys have any requests, uh, keep them coming. I think we're going to have some smaller retailers lined up here, 21 to early 22, get some interesting perspectives across different aspects of retail. But today, let's focus on what we have today. We have somebody from across the pond coming to join us. Uh, and John Reedman here is all the way from the UK and talking about a topic that we haven't really touched upon in retail perch. And But I think it's a huge topic in the industry as a whole, Gary, right? Retail marketing, advertising is massive. Absolutely. Yeah, we've sort of danced around it in different conversations, but it'll be, uh, I think, good to really dig into this. Yes, yes. So having said that, I want to uh, welcome John Reedman to the Retail Perch. John, how are you? Uh, I'm very good. Thank you. Terrific. Well, John, you're going to take a few minutes and uh, bump your chest, do what you have to do. Tell us where you come from. And, you know, I read your bio and your background, but I think you'll do a much better job of telling us your background. So here uh, you are, John. So, yes, yeah, so my name is uh, John Redman. We're from a company called Modo25. Uh, Modo25 is a, an in-housing agency specializing in helping brands and retailers take control of their digital uh, performance marketing and over time move that in-house. And then we built some clever AI and machine learning technology called Bosco. And what Bosco does is Bosco enables you to sort of predict where you should invest your next dollar uh, with your marketing spend. So if you're advertising in multiple places, it's often very difficult to work out where to spend your money. And, and I arrived here having spent most of my career in the marketing technology space. So helping people uh, with direct mail when direct mail was a thing and a bit and a big channel. We used to help people understand their data and understand who were their target audiences and what should they send to whom and when? And then I rolled into email, spent a lot of time in, in email marketing, and then I got into search marketing. And through my whole journey, it became apparent that over time, people really wanted to understand what was actually going on rather than just necessarily paying an agency or someone else uh, to do the work for them. And there's two sides to that. First of all, you need to have a really clear strategy and someone you trust to enable you and, and, and help and train you. But also, you need to have the, the sort of agency-level technology in-house. So, and, and I think that's what's been lacking. So we set off on a, on a mission two years ago to solve that challenge and really democratize the retailer's data to enable them to get a view on their data across all the different channels to understand what to do next. So we're about 35 people in four different countries, and we specialize in, in helping retailers make better decisions uh, to improve their, their, their online 
sales and performance. So what you're saying is, if you can help us to describe the scenario prior to Bosco and post Bosco. So what was the status to the of things well, with retailers before they had the ability to do what you're offering them? So if you imagine the scenario, you've got a retailer who's, I don't know, spending twenty or $50,000 a month on marketing, for instance, or something, uh, maybe on Google and Facebook. Currently, they may use an agency or they may have a digital marketing exec or someone in the team. And they've got to sort of trust that everybody is making, and they're probably making the best decisions to the best of their knowledge. I think the challenge often is, is you don't know what you don't know. And, and if you were to go to Google, Shekhar, it would be and ask, where should I spend more money? What Google will go, well, spend more money with Google. If you would go to Facebook, they would probably say, spend more money with Facebook. And I think we have this sort of bias around platforms and nobody gets fired for buying Google clicks. But actually, is there potentially a better source of traffic or a better opportunity for some retailers for their target market or their certain vertical? Uh, I also think there's a challenge with some agencies as well that have got bias in the knowledge bias. So if you were to go to a certain agency and say, where's best to spend my money, they're probably only going to tell you channels in which they deliver a service. So they may not recommend other channels in which they don't deliver a service, which is just natural. However, what we wanted to do was give a completely agnostic, independent view so that retailers can log onto the platform, check where the opportunities lie for their for their brand, and if they want to connect all their data together to then run the algorithm to predict, well, actually, the opportunity for me is in, in this area or this area. So I suppose to, to answer the question before and after, before is you were trusting other people to make the decisions on your behalf. And you may still do that, but now you would be more informed to challenge those decisions and maybe ask smarter questions or have visibility uh, on what is possible within new channels or within other channels. So, and that would be down to sort of a campaign level. And then the other the other thing pre and post Bosco is Bosco has indexed thousands of retailers in the UK and the US uh, against each other based on the demand within the category. And then that particular retailer's visibility across pay channels, across marketplaces, and mm. also across SEO. So it gives you a sort of barometer of uh, performance against your peers. And that's freely available for people to go check and see where they stack up against their peers. So it's really about giving better insights for you to help you challenge the people making the decisions to enable you to make better decisions. So we don't do the doing. We give you, I suppose, the best description was we're not building autonomous cars. What we're doing is building the sat-nav to help you drive your car quicker and faster to the right destination. And I don't know if yeah, you're the GPS. You're the yeah, we're the GPS, the car. Yeah, that's, the, that's a good example. That's terrific. Okay. So what you're saying is you're giving retailers a better way to understand and uh, not just the efficacy of where they're spending the money, but also telling them exactly where to focus it on. Yeah, and I think the, the, it's yeah. There's one thing, and I think that there's a lot of different tools and agencies out there that will tell you what happened. Okay, and if they're reasonably good, they might tell you why that happened. What we're trying to do is say, well, what do we think is going to happen next? Uh, and where should you place your money? Where should you invest? Uh, uh, and again, some of this is, and, and it sounds very simple when we explain it like this, but we're talking about cross-channel. So we've got to get all the data 
into into one place and then we've got to organize that dedupe it and actually sometimes just presenting back a a dashboard where everything's in one place is eye-opening for a lot of retailers because they're maybe logging into three or four different platforms at the moment to see different things. And actually, when they see it all side by side, they go, oh, wow, well, we should be over here or we should be over there. That's where. Uh, so, so that's what we're really trying to do is give people uh, more visibility. So, John, and that makes a lot of sense, right, to help the retailer understand what's going on across different channels and, and uh, you know, try to help answer that question of, you know, what's next and where to spend. But what, I mean, obviously there's differences across channels. What about the, the impact of the message itself? You know, for example, retailers, you know, in the U.S., many supermarket retailers spend vast amounts uh, simply promoting products and price right? Relatively little on branding or image. Certainly that varies by retail sector, but just curious what your thoughts are around that. So I I think ultimately we can benchmark individual campaigns with different messaging to see which performs best. But I I, I think uh, someone asked me a similar question, actually, Gary, is like, what if all of the people in the same vertical are all using Bosco? Is that then, are you all then just going after the same stuff? Uh, and I I think, well, that would be a good problem for us to have if everybody was on Bosco. That would be fantastic. But I think what it ultimately comes down to, and you've sort of got straight to the nub of the problem there, is we still are in a world which is very price sensitive and promotion driven, okay, particularly online. So I think what Bosco can help people do in that scenario is we won't necessarily tell you what which copy to use or which image to use. What we'll do is say this campaign in this particular channel has headroom to perform better. And you potentially got some budget in this campaign in this particular channel that isn't performing well, where you could maybe move that budget over or you could find additional budget. So but I, I do think um this is, I was talking to a colleague recently about, and a client recently about, actually, because we've all got so performance driven, so price sensitive, that actually the art of copywriting and the art of creative elements within a lot of the marketing has sort of fallen by the wayside a bit over the, the last few years, because we're all just chasing that click. And we're all chasing right. the end of the funnel conversion. So, and that's the other piece of the puzzle, right? So the the, the branding piece, which you're talking about, is when we get all the data into one place, what that enables us to do is to help brands and retailers understand their attribution model. So what we can do is understand, well, what is is that brand message at the top of the funnel, maybe a Facebook ad or a YouTube ad or a display ad? What impact is that actually having over that final conversion, which might have been a PPC ad or an email? So trying to understand all the different steps in that path to purchase is key to understanding where you should be putting your money. But now, but Bosco won't help you with your creative. Well, not yet. Um, I, I think maybe in the future, but I still think there's a, there, what we're trying to do is arm the people who are doing the marketing with the insights on this massive data. Because I think that's one of the challenges we all face is there's too much data and we don't necessarily know where to look. So what Bosco does is it helps highlight where we should be looking. Right. So with all this data in all these different pots and silos and different channels, it's saying, right, guys, go look over here. There's some money in TikTok or there's some money in Twitter or there's some money in Facebook. So it should hopefully give you that signposting 
to, so you can go nowhere to look for the money rather than just doing what you've always done, which I think we're, we're falling into this sort of Google first or maybe Google slash Facebook first habit, which isn't necessarily the best for performance. So I don't know if that answers your, your question. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was helpful. Thank you. So interesting. So, you know, with obviously the changes that have happened here in the last couple of years, uh, with a lot of businesses going online, you know, in, you know, we specifically work with the supermarket industry and, you know, e-commerce and grocery e-commerce in the United States has picked up tremendously in the last 18 to 20 months. You know, and we were talking, I was talking to another group of people and mentioning that, you know, the big switch in grocery e-commerce is before you had to take your car and drive to a different store to change your store and purchase from a different store. Now it's a click of a button. So obviously awareness and branding and messaging becomes super important for these retailers to make sure that they not just have an in-store presence, but also have an online presence that people are aware of. Uh, so how does something like what you're doing play into that? Is it is it more about making sure that a retailer is in all the channels where they want to acquire customers? Recognizing that is that does it, what do you think that would help? I, them? I, I, th- I think there's two 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 points there. A, it's about we can help you understand new channels that you may want to consider advertising in based on demand for your. Uh, service or product so if there's a if you're or, or it could also help you with understanding demand if you're trying to promote certain new lines or certain new brands that you're now stocking that you're making available online so and that might be to target existing customers or new customers but what we're looking at is demand by category and then we're looking about at visibility by, by your stores or your competitors to see where the gaps are and the opportunities are. So it could really help you with planning. So it could it could really help if, you, if you're looking at actually we're going to look at promoting more these particular ranges or these particular lines, it could help with planning and think, or it could help rather than going to the finance, uh, VP of finance and say, we need this much more money to market this because we think this may or may not happen. We need like a test budget. What Bosco enables um, the retailer to do is go in with a little bit more science and go in and go, well, actually, we've done some research, we've done some planning. We believe if we were to do X in these channels for these categories, this is what we believe the outcome is going to be. So it, it gives you a little bit more certainty than maybe just applying a test budget and doing a sort of test and learn. and uh, But it, I'd say it's more about planning. And, and you could, and we do work with a lot of retailers on understanding customer lifetime value and understanding the value of new customer acquisition versus client retention. And, and I think one of the, the biggest things, and this is a global problem, is everybody is still obsessed with new customers, new customers, new customers. I want more new customers, particularly since the stores have been closed for periods during the last two years and everybody's sort of going through this transition to more online retailing. But I actually think the big opportunity for a lot of retail folk out there is actually, and this isn't necessarily linked to Bosco, this is just a bit of a bit of my musings and advice on within the space is actually aren't we better retaining and working out what's the opportunity to engage and retain the customers we did acquire during the lockdowns and during when the stores were closed and, and, and understanding how, what are the promotions and, and the offers that may attract 
uh, may may engage them more and then hopefully understand that customer segment more so we can go and attract more customers like that in the future but and again we are our tool will read and sit across uh, email or affiliates or any other form of digital acquisition tool. It's not just about the traditional sort of paid ads or SEO. It's it's, it's all the different the different channels. But no, that, that's a that's a great question, and I think a lot of retailers are missing a trick there. Well, completely agree. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I, and I know in the US in the last couple of years, there's been a huge focus on retail media networks, and in fact. I think every week I see announcements from some every you know some big retailer saying they're launching their own media network, right? Uh, which is obviously they're trying to monetize their digital properties and you know make sure that they're showing content that's going to help with conversion. Kind of like I guess almost the nearest to shelf type advertising, right? And they're all they're all, they're all trying to build these media networks. Now I'm guessing these and I can see value in it, but do you measure the efficacy of that as well when when a retailer is looking at hey i want to build my own media network and engage brands to advertise with me through my media network as opposed to going through an agency yeah we have done that in the past it's not built in as as a standard module but there was uh, one of the europe's largest retailers in my former business, we actually helped build out this, we were calling it media monetization. And it's exactly the same as you're saying. It's that end of aisle thing. It's like, you're going to pay a bit more because you're going to get more prominence. It's like, well, we're going to sell you the banner. We're going to sell you the skyscraper. This is what it's going to look like. And then understanding, and I, I just come from a meeting actually with a, with um, someone in a completely different industry. And I said, well, have you understood the value of a click? Okay, so when you get traffic to your website, have you understood the value of that click? If everything goes perfectly to plan and you convert the sale, how many clicks do you need to get that sale? So therefore, we can work out the value of that click in terms of margin. And and let's say that was $1. But and the question I posed, which I think caused a little bit of confusion, uh, was, well, what if we could sell that click to somebody else for $2? Right? Yeah. And everybody's like, well, we won't be doing our service. We won't be doing this. And I goes, no, but you might be making twice as much money without as much, without any effort. And I think it, people are now starting to understand. And a lot of people, when Amazon started doing banner advertising, potentially promoting things off Amazon, everybody was like, well, why would they do that? Well, because the answer is they'll make more money selling the click than they do selling the book. Right. So I, I think if sites have enough traffic, it, they've got to start looking at themselves. And it sounds like uh, they already are. And absolutely, we can help analyze that data. So that's what it's fundamentally uh, the core of what we do at Modo25 and Bosco is understand big retail data and help people make better decisions. We specifically have an automatic product <laughs> that does that around demand marketing. But we do a lot of discrete special projects. We did one recently with a with a beauty retailer where they wanted to understand what was the most valuable first basket so if we looked at all their customers over time what was the common first basket of the most valuable 2000 customers what were the products that were put in that first basket and actually so if we could understand that we could potentially be more aggressive in our marketing on those products that are going in the most valuable customers first basket and then we can go after those and understand well actually 
the customers are probably going to behave the same who buy those products first. So, and and I think this is this is since COVID and the lockdown and and all this, a lot of senior VPs and and executives have have sort of become bedroom e-commerce experts. But actually, that's both exciting, but also very, very, very scary because they a little bit of knowledge is very dangerous. But what it has done is is highlighted the opportunity. And I think what we're trying to do is give people read-only access and insights to help them make decisions rather than giving them the full access to the platforms where they could potentially break things. Because we have seen that before where suddenly the, the VP of marketing or the uh, the president of the company says, I want to see Google Analytics, please. And they go in and press all the wrong buttons and things get blown up. And um, we've seen that many times. So that's really what the space we sit in. But no, we, we could help with problems around media monetization, but that's really a sort of discrete data project. Yeah. So, John, what role do you see personalization and relevancy playing in digital in, in your work? So personalization and relevancy is huge. And I, I think it's, there's two schools of thought here, and, and this then goes back to that sort of media monetization is if people just keep showing me what they think I want all the time, how will I find anything new? All right? So there's, there is a bit of that sort of like if you only keep showing me all the things I've ever clicked on, I'm never going to find anything new. And I often sort of think about that, and then it's understanding bundling, and it's understanding, well, people who bought that also bought this, and Amazon hit famously have been excellent at that, but not necessarily if you have a, a husband and wife sharing the same Amazon account like I do. It says people like you bought this fitness workout DVD, and I they didn't because it's me, but then my wife might have uh, might choose to buy that. But personalization is key, and if, if you go back 20 years, the direct mail that worked and the other retail marketing that always works was the more personalized and the more relevant you can be to your consumers or your customers, the more effective it's going to be. So I think we need to really understand now with the layers and layers of data we can get, which is phenomenal, we can make that visit a lot more personal, especially if we can get first-party data. So if we can get them to log into our website, we can make that experience so much better for them and really tailor the journey uh, and ensure that they're seeing the right sorts of products, especially if you're talking about big supermarket retailers who have tens of thousands of products, right? Some of them are potentially low value. You need to make sure that you're getting the right mix of products into that cart so that people are maximizing the opportunity. But personalization is key. But I'd also say you need to try and keep it simple because one of the biggest things we, we've seen over time in, in e-commerce is people just buy more and more tech to try and solve more and more problems. And actually, I, I think it's almost getting back to the basics of getting on the whiteboard and understanding the flow of the data and understanding what, what are the different personas of our different customers, what are those common products. And then you can get products that just make every single journey personalized. But I also think, well, what about the new customers who come in who we maybe don't understand yet? So how would you personalize the product offering to those? But Gary, personalization is 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 the big key. And you'd argue that's one of the reasons why Amazon has done so well, because they're sort of bundling of, oh, somebody who bought that leaf blower also bought this, 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 and this. And then suddenly you've just gone from spending $100 to spending $200 in 30 seconds. Yeah. So personalization, both, both, both in your advertising on your site, 
but also in your advertising on the platforms. And, and now there's a lot of clever stuff you can do in Facebook, although it's becoming a lot harder since iOS 14 and the, the, the challenge around tracking with Apple. Question back to your core platform. You're helping retailers understand their spend and the effectiveness of that spend across channels and helping them guide where the better return is. Are you actually closing the loop by looking at the retailer's transaction data? So you're understanding, you know, this campaign or these promotions actually drove, you know, footfall traffic in the store or converted to to purchase? Yes. So depending on what what joined up data we can get from the retailer. So we do that with some retailers in the UK at the moment where they provide us with both their online sales and their offline store data. And as long as we've got some unique identifiers uh, within those transactions, we can then stitch all of that together to sort of hopefully demonstrate this online display advertising drove this level of footfall. And also with the sort of there's a lot now. It used to all be about beacons and it used to all be about this, that, and the other. Whereas now with your phone, you're walking around with a beacon in your pocket. So um, you can very much, tar- if you looked at an ad on your phone and then you walk into that particular store, a lot of this stuff is measurable. And then another clever tactic a lot of the big stores are doing is enabling free Wi-Fi. But you have to log in to get the free Wi-Fi and then they know your phone, they know your IMEI address of your phone and there's a lot of match back yeah. and data track there. So, uh, but absolutely it's, and again, we could link into that direct mail, maybe digital TV. So now it's all becoming even more complicated, but at the same time more joined up. So as, lo- as long as we can link all the different data points together, you can then start looking at that attribution and start seeing, well, that piece of media impacted that journey. And then they walked into store and they did this. So, yeah, that's, that's what we're hoping to get to. So I'm going to change the topic slightly and talk about something that's been in the news currently. Uh, of course, this whole new uh, announcement by Facebook of changing its name to Meta. And then uh, there's a lot of people who are jumping on the Metaverse bandwagon, so to say. And it seems to me that maybe in the next five years, this is going to be a whole new version of the Internet, uh, like a virtual reality where you can actually experience different worlds. And I would think that at some point, retailers are going to have some want to have some presence there. If that's where most people are spending time. Do you do you see that as just as a futuristic yeah, thing? Do you I, see that as no? I see that now. So we're working with some brands. I don't know if you, if you cycle or if you've had a ever had a go on. There's a program called Zwift. Zwift is like a virtual world where you can jump on a static bike and then connect it to your computer and you can cycle with friends and and around New York or around Yorkshire or around France or wherever it is you want to go cycling. And in there, there is a lot of potential real estate where you could advertise. So, And also, if you think about what everybody's logged in, so it's first-party data, you've got all the demographic profiling. So I, I know firsthand that companies like Swift are actually working out how they monetize the opportunity, the display marketing opportunity based on that. But what we've got to do, if you're one of those platforms, and it could be a a soccer platform or it could be a, a football game or a baseball game or whatever that people are all interacting in, is what you've got to understand is 
how do you make that easily accessible for the retailers and the brands to actually access that media? And I think that's the bit that they've got to work out. Because at the moment, you've normally got two ways where you can buy media. You can either go direct to the media owner and you can say, right, I want to target men of this age, this demographic who earn this much money, or I want to target women who do this, this, or people of this age. Or you can go into some sort of exchange or platform and say, right, put in your profile and says, right, here's all the opportunities. And I think once these um, metaverse opportunities start appearing, which they will very soon, I'm thinking it's months and years, it's not years and years within within the demand side platforms, it'll then be interesting to see how you can stitch it all up and can you prove that I was cycling along in Zwift, I saw an advert for Oakley sunglasses, and then I went and bought some Oakley sunglasses. I think it will become back to that classic marketing challenge of of proving the ROI. But I think in terms of can we do it? Yes, we definitely can. Can we enable the brands and retailers to advertise in those platforms? Absolutely. Whether or not I'm going to have a hologram, whether or not we're going to be doing these meetings via holograms in our in our in our offices very soon, I'm not sure. I think that's more a hardware problem than it is a, a software problem. But if you think about it already, people have got the VR headsets. I know people have VR meetings, but it's whether we're going to get to the augmented reality thing. But I I think it's it's already happening. And if you if you wind back to so 15 years ago, everybody thought that e-commerce was actually going to be people walking around a virtual store picking things off shelves. Right. So actually, is that what it's going to be? Right. And the reason it wasn't and isn't like that is because everybody just took the, the mail order catalog and put it online because they didn't have the processing capability or that sort of creative capability. But actually, would it be a better experience for me to walk around Target with a virtual headset on and pick things off shelves? I don't know. Or have we been conditioned into scrolling and searching in the way that we're conditioned. Because the reason we shop online and the way we shop online is that's just the way it's always been done, right? right? So I, I think there's an opportunity for for clever things. I, I think also if we sat here three or four years ago and said there's going to be this music app that's going to come from China and everybody's going to start miming along to songs and it's going to take over and be a, the third or fourth biggest advertising platform in the world, everybody would have said you're crazy. Right, because there's no room in the market because you've got Facebook, you've got Google, you've got Twitter, and now suddenly in that same sentence you would say TikTok. Whereas, what, so I suppose the next question I would pose is, well, what's the next TikTok, and how? And and I think sensible online marketers and online retailers now need to have one eye on what is the next thing coming, uh, and how would we understand if that's relevant for our brand? Uh, and I think. That, that's going to be interesting. But yeah, I think the metaverse, I think it's a great opportunity. I think um, what would be good for retail probably is letting the brands, the big brands and products do a lot of the research and the, invest the money, and then they can ride off the back of understanding that. So the Coca-Colas of the world, I'm sure, will be into all of this and trying to work out how to do it first. Right. I don't know. What what, what do you guys think? Is um, And, how, and how, do you, how, do you, how do you see it playing out? I think it's fascinating because I think obviously there's going to be a section of society that spends more time in the metaverse than others. And from a first adopter perspective, and I guess retailers will need to understand how much of their target market is spending time in those uh, platforms 
to figure out how much to spend in those platforms. But, you know, it's like the smartphone now, you know, maybe back in the day, texting was a thing that only the young kids did because they knew how to really press those buttons really fast. But now it's the mode of communication. So I think there's a, I think there's no two ways about it. This is where things are headed. Things are headed more digital, more online. And I think uh, we've been, I think with COVID, people have uh, been conditioned to conduct more of their lives from home. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it's reality, right? So the reality is that we probably conduct more commerce from home and get more things done from home than we ever did before. So... I think it'll be curious to see 2022, you know, once we have this thing behind us, you know, knock on wood, (laughs) uh, we have this thing behind us. What will, will people spring back? Will people come back with a vengeance to say, hey, I want to shut down this online thing and go and live my life outside? I doubt it because I think, I think the human mind and our habits are more prone to convenience than to action. Mm -hmm. So I think we will start resorting to more online living, if you will. I, I mean, this is going to be this is going to be huge. I have no doubt. And I think there's a retailer listening in and wondering what the heck we're talking about. What's the metaverse? The, and some of them are just trying to figure out just online advertising, right? With e-commerce and, you know, and the, their spend. And now we're talking about taking this giant leap to the virtual world. But hey, listen, you know, if you if anything, you heard it first on the retail perch. And I think it's going to be, there's no question it's going to be big, John. You know, and I think it's and I think it's an opportunity for a lot of economies that kind of fell behind in the brick and mortar and the online space to kind of leapfrog and catch up with retail done in the new metaverse, honestly, you know, because that's really what cell phones did, right? People, a lot of countries that didn't have telephone lines and the infrastructure to have communications, when the cell phones came along, it just flooded the market. And all these countries that didn't have the communication infrastructure some suddenly became, you know, more and more uh, adept with banking, with transactions and doing everything online than countries that had all this massive infrastructure. Shaker, I think to your point, it's going to be the digital natives that are going to seize the metaverse opportunity first, right? And in a big way, it's it's probably not going to be the more traditional uh, brick and mortar retailers. You know, they are still heavily, literally invested in the physical world. And, uh, you know, as we well know, uh, you know, not only financial assets, but simply the way people view the world does not predispose them to such radical change. And I think the other thing I think fascinating, Gary, is I think that we're going to see a whole new world of virtual products, right, that are being created and sold, which provide, you know, you could think of them as apps, but we know them as apps, but imagine going into a virtual world and getting a a virtual dietitian for help from your supermarket retailer that you can go meet and converse with. And I think there's going to be a lot of virtual products that are going to come about that you're actually going to spend money on that they're not physical. No, I, um, I think I think that's going to happen. There's no question. So. Well, it's already, it's already happening in certain. I remember a conference probably 10 or 12 years ago, and everybody was talking about um, these uh, virtual people buying virtual things in games, right? And I was like, that's never going to happen, right? 
people aren't going to give away hard-earned cash for a different outfit for a, a game person. I've got children. I can guarantee you I've given them money to buy different outfits for different characters in the games they're playing, right? Yeah. And, I, and and there's a multi-billion dollar industry globally for these sort of completely, and it's all, I suppose, about value and time exchange. And if you think about all these games that are supposedly free, well, they're not free. They're just creating another form of media monetization. So they're giving away a free game, and then they're selling eyeballs and clicks from within their game. So I think the, the retailers, I, I think I completely agree with Gary. It'll be the digital natives who, who spot the opportunity first. But it'll be interesting to see how physical retail manages to integrate or adopt this with with the with the metaverse or the virtual world because you've only got a certain number of shelves in your store however if you've got a very clever way of having an, an endless aisle right yeah. in, in in the metaverse or in a virtual world how can you integrate the two or things together and make it more of an experience because there's one thing that's happening in the the UK and it, it will be in certain retailers in the US is a lot of the, the retail space now, certainly in city centres in small and sort of some of our old medieval cities, they don't have the, the, the space in the, in the stock room. So actually they only have a limited number of products on show and then you, you can buy the product, but they deliver it home the next day. Right, yeah. which certain big items is actually quite advantageous because you don't necessarily want to be holding that massive new TV and taking it to the car. So I think there's going to be a shift into this sort of experiential shopping of how people, and it becomes more of a showrooming experience. And that isn't necessarily going to be the same for grocery, but that could be the case for, for other things within big retail. But going back to your point, you might get virtual, like a lot of the, you might pay for, as you said, a dietitian, but you may pay for a virtual chef who tells you how to make all this stuff. Right? It's a really interesting opportunity for those who, who try and work out, well, how can we use this to create loyalty and to create an experience? And ultimately, people will give up their time if they feel they're getting value and, and enriching their lives, right? And I think that's it. How can you make it an experience? You won't yeah. believe this, but this is something I heard recently where somebody was actually buying virtual gifts for Christmas to give out to their, you know, nephews and nieces, right? Yeah. I mean, well, uh, so like skins in, in Fortnite. They were exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't have to box them anymore. Yeah, it's a gift that you buy. Yeah, but and, my uh, my 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 daughter would be very um, very happy with a with Robux as a as a as a, as a Christmas gift, and then she can go buy herself, I don't know, a unicorn that flies within Roblox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think I think it's a fascinating conversation. So clearly, I think if I were to sum this up, you know, uh, with uh, what you guys do is really help under, uh, retailers understand, look at what their market presence is across different channels, help them understand where they should be focusing on, giving them some measure of that fact. Uh, and then uh, the actual doing is based on, is you're basically uh, telling them, hey, here's where you should be spending money. Now, when you talk, go talk to your agency, you're going armed with some knowledge. Yeah, and or, or they go to their team and say, right, I've got this clever piece of technology that's saying we should be looking here and we should be looking at these campaigns. Yeah. Help them understand where the opportunity lies. And all, all of it is really trying to accelerate. Because I think in the past, if, if we're really honest, 
is a lot of senior people find this all quite scary. And they're just having to sort of trust a, a, a team in the corner or an agency. But now it's becoming mainstream and it's becoming big sums of money. Uh, and they, I think it's it's about time that we can surface the data and we can give insight onto which bits of that data are valuable. So hopefully by distilling it down and going, right, this chunk of data you need to pay attention to. But you're absolutely right, Shaker. It's about identifying the bit, the areas for opportunity and giving them some good questions to ask their team or their agency. And hopefully to, to have a more challenging but informative conversation going forward. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, this has been a fascinating conversation, John. And I don't think it's a topic that we really touched upon, but it's a it's a big topic out there in the media where you have a lot of these large retailers uh, creating their own retail media networks. And I think, you know, a lot of the people who do listen to our podcast, John, are smaller uh, retailers, right? Smaller chains sometimes, you know, I think we, we have the gamut of uh, all kinds of people. But what, what do you think when you when it comes to, and I'll, we can close out of this question, when it comes to a smaller retailer, doesn't quite have the same footprint of a big national retailer, right? How does how does technology like this play in uh, to their... I, I think as long as someone is is as has a visit a, a website in which they can transact, technology like this can help. So we have companies who are very small, spending a few thousand dollars a month on on advertising, and are a regional store. So and uh, it there's obviously a case where the ROI would have to stack up investing in something like this, but it's very quick and easy to prove. So you can see through a very quick trial of, right, and I suppose the question I often ask is, if you're spending more than X thousand dollars, say $10,000 across multiple channels, it's worth understanding, well, are we spending the money in the right place? Yeah. Uh, and then also, if you can help with a piece of technology to make your agency more efficient, they can spend more time optimizing your account rather than doing what the software is doing. So you may be able to reduce your agency fees. So yeah, is if you have a very small website and a, a very small store, it may not be relevant. But it's not just the gift of the multinationals or the big national. Uh, oh, anybody... I, heard, I think in one of your YouTube videos that somebody can go to your website, just put in their URL and get some kind of a free evaluation, correct? Yeah, wow. so if, if, if people go to askbosco.io, so that's A-S-K-B-O-S-C-O, Io. There's a. You can type in your URL. You can select your country. So the United States. You can then type in roughly how much you spend online, what your average order value is, and which category you you're in, and what your target is. And then Bosco will go away. Um, first of all, tell you if we've got enough data around your. So that would be the first thing, I suppose. Uh, it will give you, and then it will give you a score against your competitors free of charge. And then it will give you a sort of breakdown of where we think the opportunities could lie. And that's publicly available, free to use. If I think you can use it two or three times completely for free without even registering. If you then register, you can keep using it for free. And then the, the clever bit is then, and I think as Gary said, is once we connect your actual transaction data, we can then start giving a lot better predictions. So, and that then is a paid for service, uh, which you don't need uh, a few hundred dollars a month. Got it. Now, this has been fascinating, John. I mean, we've 
learning new things and hopefully our audience has picked up a lot of stuff. I mean, hopefully they enjoyed that little diversion into the metaverse. But uh, I do want to thank you so much for your time. Gary, anything before we kind of wrap up here? Uh, no, it's been a great conversation. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah. and we're looking forward to the future of uh, retail advertising here and all the very best with Bosco and... Uh, I see Modo 25. What is What exactly is Modo 25, John? So Modo 25, I suppose, is the mothership for, for Bosco. And we're a, an in-housing agency. And, and actually, there's um, the name Modo comes from, we name, I do quite a lot of charity bike rides, so cycle rides to raise money for an orphanage in Uganda. And Modo is actually the name of one of the children at the orphanage in Uganda. And Bosco is the name of the gentleman who runs the charity in Uganda. So we, we mm. raise um, a lot of money for those guys but i suppose one other thing is we're going to be doing the official launch of bosco at nrf actually in january so if anybody if anybody uh wants to come along and find us um we we will be there uh waving uh the sort of the the retail flag um for around optimizing your data and we're going to be hosting a launch event around nrf so if anybody's at nrf come and look us up at the ask bosco stand uh, and we'll give you a warm reception Nice. That's been a great, great conversation and, uh, you know, loved it. And I want to wish you guys all the very best. And hopefully I'll come at NRF. I'll stop by and say hi to you guys. So, yeah, no, that'd be great. Excellent. It'd be nice to meet you in the, in the real verse rather than the metaverse. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, I also want to give a shout out to Stephanie, who does the production here and puts to, puts together this episode coming out on Monday. So this should be out in the next week here, John. We'll let you know as soon as the link is out. But I also wanted to finish up with this, that if you do give us your mailing address, even though you're across the pond, we'll send you our special retail perch coffee mug. So you can... Uh, Send us a little shout out on uh, LinkedIn or something once you receive it. And no, when the mug arrives, it will go viral and I will take it everywhere and drink coffee. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) I will send you a virtual one once the metaverse is around so you can drink coffee. That's right. But in the meantime, you can have a real one. That's right. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for having me on your show. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. 